0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, we're on our second week of A Generous Life, and we're going to do, do this for eight weeks. We're working through this in our uh, life groups. On, uh, most of them meet on Wednesday nights, but on, there are a couple other ones that meet on different nights, and we're part of that. Part of that. And it's a... Uh, It's a, how many want to live a generous life? Yeah. I've tried the selfish life thing. I don't like it. I want to live a generous life. Last week, I shared two important principles found in the Bible regarding developing a life of generosity. The first principle that I shared about was sowing and reaping. How important it is that we understand that what we sow, we're going to reap. If we sow good things, we're going to reap good things. If we sow bad things, we're going to, guess what? We're going to reap bad things. And then the other principle I shared was about the first fruits. The giving of your first fruits. Time, money, whatever you have, give the first to God. Watch what happens in your life when you start giving God the first and not the last. That's, that was last week's message. Go back to last week if you want to hear more, more of that. But the, both of those principles position you... Towards experiencing God's blessings over your life, these principles are direct direct us away from living a life that's selfish, towards living a life that is generous, and that leads me to today's message: how generosity can transform your life, how generosity transform us. Another way I could state it is: generosity is the antidote towards selfishness. Practicing generosity in your life changes you. Let me begin by this, just by making this statement, because so so many times that we forget this practical truth. God is a generous God. God is a generous God. If you don't believe that, I challenge you to wake up early tomorrow morning before the sun rises, go down to the beach and start walking the beach as that sun rises over the horizon and tell me that God is not a generous God. You look at creation itself and it talks about the generosity of who who our Father is. He is generous. David writes these words in Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above declares His handiwork. The Apostle James writes this reminder to us regarding God's goodness and regarding his generosity in James 1:16 and 17. He says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens, every star, everything you, when you look up at night. I know we can't see a lot because we already have so many lights. Get out in the, at nighttime, out somewhere where it's more where it's not so populated, and you'll see all these stars. He's created every one of them. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Simply stated, you are blessed because of God. Any good and perfect gift comes from above. We ourselves are created, and this is something I want you to catch into your DNA. We ourselves are created to be a blessing. Because God is a blessing to us, guess what? We're to display that same blessing that he's put into our life out to others. We are not called to be selfish. We are called to be generous. God is good and God is generous. Satan, on the other hand, the devil, the accuser, he's called the accuser, he's called the liar, he's called a, a deceiver, a cheater, a murderer, an oppressor, a devourer, a tempter. Everything that the devil is, is not good. Everything that God is, is good. It really is. So many times we make things so complicated in life. Can I make it simple for you today? God is good. The devil is bad. We need to get on God's team. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to stay. Practicing generosity in our life is important because it displays God's goodness. I'll say it again. Practicing generosity in our life is so important to us. Because it displays God's goodness. Because, guess what? When you choose to follow Christ and you have the Holy Spirit come into your life, it's the goodness of God because, guess what? You have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Those things that are good, and you can allow those things to come out of your life. And it reminds us, when we, when we all of a sudden practice generosity, it reminds us of who we are. See, God's character in us produces generosity. The devil's character will produce selfishness. And this is what I'm talking about generous life, te- we, I know there's a lot of teaching here, but it's important for us to grab a hold of. See, so many times in my life, I, this might be work for you. It's kind of like my spiritual thermometer. So many times in my life, if I want to test where I am with God, guess what? I'll test my generosity. Am I being generous or am I being selfish? Is my time being, being used for my selfish re- you know selfish? Things that I want to do always? Or am I, do I have time set aside for God? Is, are my, is my money always about me, myself, and I? Or do I take my money and I'm blessing others? I'm blessing the church. I'm blessing charitable organizations. I, I want to make a difference. So many times I can check where my spiritual area of my life is by checking where my generosity is. Several psychological studies State that generosity produces greater health and happiness. How many want to be have greater health and happiness? There you go. Practice generosity. It shifts our focus. And you know what happens? The main reason that we feel better because it shifts our focus off of ourselves and it shifts our focus to others. Amen. That's the main reason why we start feeling better. Anytime you start navel gazing, you know, that you start just looking at yourself, you don't feel that great so many times. Now there's times where we need to assess, we need to look at our lives. But there's so many times we need to get past ourselves because when we just are are me, myself, and I, we live in a very limited world, a very small world. Generosity gets us out of smallness and gets us into greatness. It gets us into the lives of others where all of a sudden we can see what God is not just doing in our life, but what God is doing in others' lives. I want to focus today on, this is going to be our text for the day. And they're Jesus' words, and they're found in Matthew 6, 24. It was the final scripture that I shared in my message from last week. But I want to go back to that. And I want to just develop it a little further. It says, no one, Jesus says these words, no one can serve two masters. Say two masters. <laughs> Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then, see, he starts off, Jesus starts off General. No one can serve two masters. And then he just nails it and he goes specific at the very end. You cannot serve both God and money. That last word that's in that scripture, money, the Greek word is mamona. And it's often often translated money, but it has more than just the meaning of money. It it has more than just the meaning of possessions. It has more than the, the meaning of wealth or riches. It really carries the meaning of greed. The King James Version of the bible translates this word as mammon which is the aramaic word for money or for for yeah for money and as you read this scripture jesus is saying that you can't serve both you need to make a decision are you going to serve god or mammon the thing that needs to be understood is that mammon is more than just paper or coins and this is what so many of us miss mammon is a spirit in scripture, mammon is a personified as a false god. Mammon is something that you can serve. You can't serve something that's just a piece of paper. You're going to serve something that has a spirit upon it. Mammon is something you serve. In American culture, people who serve money would be considered greedy. They're, they just never have enough, they always want more, they're never satisfied. And this is what Jesus is revealing in the scripture when it comes to mammon. It's something that you can serve. But Jesus warns us against that. He says, don't serve both God and mammon. I don't know if you've ever had a bucket of water and you poured oil into the water. Try it. They don't mix. They won't mix. They repel each other. They stay separate. This is what God is saying. We don't mix. The spirit of mammon, the spirit of greed, does not mix with a God who is generous and is filled with generosity. You can't mix the two together. Jesus warns us, you can't serve both God and mammon. The spirit of mammon says to put your trust in your job. The spirit of mammon says put your trust in your retirement. Put your trust in your house. Put your trust in government programs, whatever they might be. Tell that to the people in Ukraine. Tell that to those, those refugees in Ukraine whose homes have been bombed, whose jobs have been lost, who have been now out of their country, whose, whose wealth has been lost, whose, whose money no one will even exchange their money because they consider it worthless because, because Ukraine is under this war. Tell them that, you know what, serve these things. And they'll let you know that, you know what, those things disappear like that. They just disappear in a moment. Trusting in that which is temporary, and I'm going somewhere here today, so just follow along with me. Trusting in that which is temporary will always bring disappointment and sadness in our life. That's the problem with American culture. Is we put our trust in temporary things. We put our trust in vehicles or retirement funds or houses or all things that are temporary we put our trust in others and you know what that that relationship that friendship could not be forever and it's not that we shouldn't have friendships it's not that we shouldn't have homes it's not that we sh- but our trust needs to be in something that's eternal and it's our heavenly father see jesus knows that those things have no sustaining power that's why he requires that we surrender to him and put our trust in him, not in our money or our possessions. I believe it's why Christ followers should continue to practice first fruits because it continues to demonstrate that God is first in our lives. Mammon is always motivating us towards self-sufficiency, that there is no need for God. It's why Jesus said that it's difficult for him. You remember that parable in the, in the Bible where it says it's difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? It's not because of his riches. It's not because he has so many riches that he can't fit through the door of heaven. That has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do that he has put his trust in his riches instead of putting his trust in God. See, Mammon basically says there is no need for God. I can do it myself. I'm self-sufficient. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus was unable to walk. And I want you to catch this thought. The rich young ruler that came to Jesus was unable to walk away from his riches. But he was able to walk away from Jesus. His trust was more in his riches than in God. He wanted the benefits from God, but without the surrendering to God. God doesn't work that way. You surrender to him, and then you receive his benefits. Last week, I shared about how money takes on our DNA. Do you remember that? I had a $20 bill and so many of you guys were worried that Annette didn't get her money back. She did. It was a week later, but she did, okay? And she gave me a $20 bill and I put it in my hand because a $20 bill is really a piece of paper, right? It's really just a piece of paper. It doesn't really mean anything until it touches my hand. When it touches my hand, it takes on my DNA, Am I going to be selfish with that, or am I going to be generous with that? It's going to take on whatever who I am. That's what's going to make the difference of that $20 bill, is that I can either use that for good or I could use it for evil. It takes on my DNA. It takes on who I am as a person. Again, it's two spirits worn against each other. It's the spirit of greed, and it's the spirit of Generosity. We've all had to fight with ourselves at times. I don't know, have you ever felt like, you know, there used to be the old commercials, I haven't seen them recently, where there's a devil on one shoulder and there's an angel on the other. And they're each speaking into your ears. Have you ever felt that way at times? I have. We have to fight with ourselves. I don't want to give. I want to keep. I want to take. This, that's the spirit of mammon It is wants us to find our security and trust within its provision. But the spirit of mammon is a counterfeit security. It's not real. The real security that we can find is in God himself. Mammon, money, possessions are all temporary. They'll all disappear. God is eternal. He lasts forever. It's why God can make this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How can God make that promise? Because God is eternal. And it's interesting, that promise, that phrase, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is used many times in the Old Testament, but it's only used one time in the New Testament. And it's found in the, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. And he's literally quoting the Old Testament. But what's interesting is the one time that it's used in the New Testament, do you know when it's used? It has to, It's used when we talk, when Jesus is talking, or not when Jesus, it's used when it's talking about finances or possessions. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, Jesus' words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Notice that the translation states, free from the love of money. Free from the love of money. That word free implies that you can be enslaved. Right? There's no reason to have the word free up there if there's, a, if, if you, if there's not a possibility for you to be enslaved. And that's what, that's what this whole, don't be enslaved to mammon. Don't be enslaved to money. Don't be enslaved to greed. Don't be enslaved to your possessions. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Don't be enslaved to it. Be free from the love of that things because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those people in you, that are Ukrainian refugees right now, I've heard some of the testimonies of those who are Christ followers that their whole faith is in God right now. Nothing else because they have nothing else. This scripture, keep your life free from the love of money, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. It correlates to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, Jesus wants you to find freedom in him. John, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free in deed. The spirit of money, ha- mammon has no ability to set you free. The spirit of God has the ability to set you free. The spirit of ma- mammon only will enslave you. Throughout the Old Testament, we find Israel continuing placing their trust in the false gods. They're continually trusting the things of the world. They're worshiping these false gods and these false gods were literally made out of their hands. They were created. They were little statues and made out of wood or out of stone or out of metal. And they made these things and they worshipped these things. And, and God repeatedly rebuked the Israelites for, for worshipping these things because they were being unfaithful to him. And why would God continue to do that? Because of the unfaithfulness. But God realized he loved Israel so much. He realized that if they continue to worship those things that they would miss out what's most important, His love, and they're heading down a road of destruction. See, God wants to redeem each and every one of us. And the only one way we can have redemption is through Jesus Christ. I believe today's greatest false God, if you can think about it, what is the greatest false God in our society today? I believe it's our possessions and it's our money. It's the things that we create with our own hands. See, we tend to worship or serve those things that we have made don't we, yeah. that we have made, that we have earned, that we have, we, we have a tendency to, to worship and serve those things instead of worshiping and serving God. God will bless us with money and possessions, and it happens. And many of you know what I'm talking about. You've been blessed. But God wants us to recognize that these, thing, these things are blessings from Him. To put it another way, and this is something that I continually put into my mind, I never serve money. Money should serve me. God never placed money as, a, as something that should enslave you. God has placed money in your life so it would be a blessing that you can use it to, to, to help somebody in need. To, yeah, pay your mortgage payment, but also to be a blessing to others. It should never be something that enslaves you. It should be something that, guess what, you make it serve you. It's, a, it's instruments that God has given us to fulfill his purpose. And as we understand this concept, it will transform how we handle our money and possessions. When we understand that God doesn't want us to be enslaved to it, it will change the way we, you know what, I know it's, we're a little, man, I feel like God's, God, if, God, if I feel like God's telling me to do this, I'm just going to do it. Why? You guys are looking at me with blank stares. don't do that. I'm looking to online right now. Hey, guys, online, love you guys. Here you go. Why? Come on, let's be honest. The voice, the angel, you need to give to this. The devil, have you looked at your checking account? The angel, trust God, he'll provide. The devil, no, 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 you're not gonna have enough for your mortgage payment. If I'm not saying you go do this thing and try to give and get back, like, if I give, God's going to give me back. So it's, like, it's not like a vending machine. Don't think that direction. But if God speaks to your life and you are faithful to stru- step out and trust him, you watch what God will do in your life. He will pour out blessings, so much blessings that you won't even be able to contain it. It will be pressed down, running over into your lap, sh- shaken together. Have you ever ever struggled with the thought of trying to cheat or trying to take advantage of a situation to gain money? I remember I was in a quandary one time, when one of the the very first vehicles I owned and when I sold it. How many love to sell cars? Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) And I remember I was ready to sell this vehicle. And the greed in me wanted to get as much money as I could out of this vehicle. Come on, right? So the person came up, and I'm selling it to a private buyer, and I'm selling it, and I'm just thinking, man, I polished it up. I vacuumed the inside. It was the cleanest ever since I even owned it. Isn't that weird how we do that? It's the cleanest car when we sell it. Waxed up, ready to rock and roll. Person comes in, and, you know, and they're talking, oh, this looks really nice. And, and, man, just guilt is starting to come down upon me. Yeah, it's a great car. It's a wonderful car. All of a sudden, well, the power steering does leak, though. You need to check the power steering. Oh, the power steering leaks? Yeah, the power steering leaks. Because guess what? I just couldn't just, by the way, transmission was shifting a little rough. And so I put some of that slick 50 in it, and it shifts pretty good. I just started sharing all the problems with that car. By the time I'm done, I'm basically giving it away for free. You know what I'm saying? Why do we do that? Because we don't want the sorrow that comes from dishonest gain. We don't want regrets. And this is the difference when we do it God's way. There is no sorrow. Remember, money is not evil. The love of money is evil. So what happens is when I'm trying to sell that vehicle, if I love money so much, I just won't be honest. But if I know that God is my provider and I'm selling that vehicle, I'm more, I am more concerned that God loves me and the actions that I'm going to take. That I'm going to be honest with that whole, that whole situation and share honestly what the situation is so that I have no regrets before God. Robert Morris writes it. If you haven't read Robert Morris' book, The Blessed Life, it will change your life. I just strongly encourage you to read it. In fact, I think we have two or three copies here at the church if you want one. Um, we'll sell it to you. If you don't have money, we'll give it to you. So there you go. Robert Morris writes in his book he says, Mammon says to buy and sell. God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal. God says to give and receive. It's just a different perspective that we should have in our minds. And the difference comes from the motivation that we have in our spirit. Are we allowing God's spirit to lead us? Or are we allowing the devil to lead us? The di- that's the only difference. The spirit of mammon is a spirit of greed. The spirit of God is a generous spirit that that surrounds, that that moves in and through our lives on a daily basis. Let's not allow the spirit of mammon to rule our lives. I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to invest into a, an organization. We were sitting around a conference table one day, and and uh all of a sudden this this Organization was presented to us, and you could invest in, into this Christian organization, and the returns on the money was stupid. They were making so much money, and was, the returns was like, "Are you have you ever heard that saying? If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true." You know. And so I'm sitting at that table, and they're they're sharing this opportunity to invest, in, and I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I had some. And boy, when it, when it came around my time, and there was a little bit of pressure in that whole process, and and I, I just thought to myself, and minute, I shouldn't say that. I I, the Spirit of God spoke to me, no. And it was that one, you know, sometimes I, didn't, I don't always listen to the Spirit of God. I wish I could say I do, but sometimes I go past it and it's like, oh, why did I do that? But this time I listened. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, years later, three, four years down the road, guess what? It's discovered this whole thing was a Ponzi scheme. It's a Christian organization. People lost millions and millions of dollars. People lost their retirements. People lost their savings accounts. All because of a, of a spirit of greed in our lives. And I felt so bad on that whole situation, what people have lost and how they stepped into it. But there was really two things that happened in that whole thing. And I thought, I really think about these type of things. I thought, one group of people lost a lot of money. Some lost everything. There was another group of people that gained a lot. To see a good Ponzi scheme, guess what will happen? It will continue to pay out as long as it can because it makes it look like, man, this is ridiculously good. But the people that gained a lot, they gained it off the loss of people who lost everything. Do you think that comes with sorrow and guilt? And See, I don't want that. And that's what God's trying to protect us from. He doesn't want us to gain things with sorrow. He wants us to be blessed. I always think of what could have been if that money was invested for God's God's kingdom, for God's work. It wouldn't have been lost. It would have been treasure stored up in heaven. One of the best ways to battle against the spirit of mammon is through generosity. Generosity will change the direction of your life. Generosity will realign your life's purpose with God's purpose in your life. There's a parable that Jesus shared that is only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It's the parable of the rich fool. And Jesus shares this parable in response to an argument between two brothers. And two brothers are arguing. And all of a sudden, it's in a crowd. And all of a sudden, one of the brothers, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to share the wealth. And most likely, what was happening in this story was that back in the, those days, in the New Testament days, the oldest son would get a double portion. And so probably the younger son was saying, hey, he should split that with me. We should make this equal. That's kind of the idea that's coming behind this. And then Jesus tells the brothers these words. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundance of harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store the surplus grain." And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Don't get mad at Pastor Tom. This is in the Bible. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Now we skip over that part. Then you will get what you have prepared. If he's dead, how is he going to get it? There's nothing there, right? Because he's God. You'll get what you prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. See, we're not called to be hoarders. We're called to be givers. That's who we are as Christ's followers. It reminds me of the simple truth. There is never a wrong time to give to God. Don't wait to give to God when you think that you have enough. You can't afford to wait. See, God desires that you live a generous life. Many people in society today look at money to solve their problems. And guess what? Money does solve some problems. If you have a mortgage payment to pay, guess what? Money's going to solve the problem, right? If you need to buy a car, guess what? Money's going to solve the problem. But I want you to think about it. Money only really solves temporary problems. It doesn't solve eternal things, and this is where many people get caught up and they get confused and they don't understand. What does the Bible tell us when we face problems? What does the Bible tell us when we have difficulties? What does the Bible tell us to do? Anybody? Philippians four six. Don't worry about anything. Remember that verse. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Here's the thing about this scripture that's so important for us to realize. What is this really saying to us if you put it in the idea of finances? What really is is happening here is God is saying, I want you to trust me. So don't don't go to your bank account first when you have problems. Go to prayer. Let me give you a better example. I, I know I'm running a little late. Don't worry about it. We're not hungry. This is really practical. Think about this thought. If we have the spirit of mammon on it, and, not, and I'm, all of us have dealt with this before, when a crisis hits our life, how many of us, do I have my wallet with me, instead of going to God in prayer, how many of us have pulled out our credit card? Instead of going, God, man, can you help me and solve this issue, how many of us just gone to our credit card and allowed our credit card, and now we're in debt. God, I need a new vehicle. Oh, you know that's only four hundred and sixty-nine dollars for the next seven years. That's fine. I'm going to do that. And almost instead of waiting for God to bless you, I'll give you a practical example in our lives. There was a time when Annette and I both were, had health issues. We were both struggling, and 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 I did, We we got in debt because of the money and. And it would have been easy at that hospital just to all of a sudden put that credit card down. And I really felt, no, don't, don't do that. And so they said, well, we can put you on a payment plan. I said, okay, let's just do that. And we did that piece of it. You know what happened on that scenario? They said, you know what, the other thing you can do is the hospital has this, this fund that if you just write in that says that you just really don't have the money right now, which we didn't, you can just check I wrote a letter on there telling our circumstances. I was going through cancer. She was having another surgery. You know what? They wiped out the debt. God would have never been able to do that if I had immediately trusted in the money and put my credit card down. See, sometimes we don't give God enough room to work in our lives. We interrupt what God wants to do because we try to do it in our own self, through our own spirit, through the spirit of mammon. I can do it. I'm self-sufficient. I can handle it all myself. What happens if we went to God in prayer for everything? And remind God, I mean, what would happen in our lives? That's what Paul is reminding us. That's where the real answers are, are, are thought. Sometimes we think, man, if I just go out and buy that lottery ticket. How many of you bought a lottery ticket? I raised my hand. I've done it. I'm probably to be voted out of church next week. I bought a lottery ticket. Man, if I get the winnings, it's, going to, it's not going to solve all your problems. Money never solves the big issues of life. The spirit of mammon wants you to think that thought. Mammon only solves, money only solves temporary issues in life. Money can't solve eternity. It can't solve divorce. It can't solve death. It can't solve abuse. It can't solve past hurts. Only God can solve those things in your life. Those are eternal issues that God wants to do a work in and through your life. People think money transforms their life. God is the one who transforms your life. It's interesting to watch professional athletes. And I watch what takes place when all of a sudden money touches their hands. And all of a sudden when money touches their hands, they have, a, they have, they have two responses they can go. They can be selfish or they can go generous. Some men you see them, they buy these beautiful houses, they buy these beautiful cars, they, they just do all the, these crazy things with it. All of a sudden, it, it, is so, it was so bad for a while that they actually hired investors to help all these athletes because it was just an embarrassment to the leagues where all of a sudden this athlete's been playing for 20 years and at the end of their, his, his life, or at the end of his career, he's broke. And so that it wasn't a good reflection, so they hired investors to help these guys out, to, to, to show them. It. And it's interesting what happens, is it just goes, woof. But then when the money touches someone, an athlete who's generous, who's god feared. Watch what happens with that athlete. He becomes a blessing into the community. He blesses charitable organizations. He sets up charitable organizations to bless others. Because it touched his DNA. And he doesn't have a spirit of mammon. He has a spirit of generosity in his life. And it starts having... And you watch those people, those athletes. They're fulfilled. They're blessed. They're happy. They're joy-filled. See, it's... What is our spirit when we touch these things? Practicing generosity transforms the way you live. Don't store for yourselves treasures on here on earth where moth destroys, rust destroys them, and thieves break into steel. Store for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, I'm believing one day there's an opportunity when I'm getting to when I get into heaven. And I hope it's an opportunity for all of us here today. That when we get into heaven, there's going to be someone greeting me because I supported Convoy of Hope. Five kids every month. Because I support Compassion International. I'm not sharing this to be, oh, look at me. I'm sharing it to just give an example. That we support South Coast Christian, its reach its community. That we support Heights and Hearts because they're touching kids' lives with the gospel. And all of a sudden, when I get greeted in heaven, I'm going to have someone there. Thank you for giving. I hope I'm greeted by someone. I hope that all my investment aren't just in this world, but some of my investments in heaven. Amen? See, God can make changes in our life where we can change towards generosity and not towards selfishness. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void, but it transforms our lives. We thank you that you are a generous God, that you have given us the example to follow. God, I pray for each and every one of us today that we would follow that example towards living a generous life. Give us the ability to do so, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everyone said. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast